0: You're listening to Vinyl Tap, inside the music industry with Michael
1: Parisi. How does anyone follow in the footsteps of the late, great Michael Godinsky, let alone his son, Matt Godinski, who has been literally thrust into the main chair as the relatively new CEO of the Mushroom Group? And while they are big shoes to fill, Matt is very much his own person. I remember Matt as a young teenager dropping into the mushroom office when I was there in, in an a and capacity in the early 2000s and he would bang on and bang on about hip-hop, hip-hop and more hip-hop. And it wasn't long before his very first signing, Bliss and Esso, took the country by storm. And with that, Matt kick-started his own career in the music business. So here we are in 2023 where Matt continues to build the company that his father built from the ground up back in 1972. And while touring remains very much on the mushroom agenda, it was very pleasing to discover that at the very core of Matt's own philosophy is the development of Australian music both here and abroad. It may appear on the outside that he has the weight of the world on his shoulders, but Matt Genisky takes it all on this stride, and I very much enjoyed our conversation we had at Mushroom headquarters in Dundas Lane, Albert Park recently. So kick back, relax, and enjoy the next installment of Vinyl Tap. So here we are in uh, Albert Park, in uh, the top level of the uh, 9 Dundas Lane. Um, the Mushroom Office and with me is Matt Galinsky. Matt. Morning. Morning Afternoon. Michael. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me on. No problem um, It was great to go to the, uh, the movie last night the premiere the world premiere of Ego which I, I found very inspirational um, And I think I think it's safe to say that um, it was it was well made on in many on many levels Firstly, it was a great celebration of, of the great man himself, but also I like the fact that um, it wasn't a puff piece would you agree with that? Was, that? was that intentional? Yeah, look,
0: I think it was never set out to be that. It was really set out to, you know, tell the journey of Mushroom and the, the story of my dad and the highs and lows that came with yeah. that. In our industry, it's never all highs. There's lots of ups and downs and the Mushroom journeys certainly um, had many of those and I feel the film really captured that. It's never easy to put 50 years and uh, everything my dad did into a, into a short film... But, it
1: would have been a miniseries if that was the case.
0: Uh, the, the first edit was definitely a, a, was definitely a lot longer than the final one but, yeah, really proud of how it came together and mm. I think it's great to use the word inspirational because one of the key outcomes I wanted from the film was to create something that was really inspirational to those that knew Dad, those that didn't and uh, other people that are coming up in our industry to really um, motivate them to to go over and above and... and you know, fulfil their dreams.
1: Yeah, and I was talking to a few people who were there who knew nothing about the Mushroom story, but they said they got a great sense of what it was after seeing that movie as well. So you don't have to be a fan of of, of music or Mushroom necessarily to understand, you know, the impact that Michael made uh, on the industry and, and culture in general, right? Is there anything that that, that the movie kind of um, didn't portray or didn't suggest that, you know, that Michael, I mean, another side to Michael, that the movie didn't, bring out that you can talk about like because he was a very you know as much as he was flamboyant and extroverted he, he was he had a he had a a quiet private side to him didn't he yeah look i think it really showed uh, most
0: sides to dad but uh you know outside of um you know being be in in the limelight he was a you know a great father a loving family man and uh you know loved his sport Mm. and um, while everything he did every day was really focused on supporting Australian music and taking that to the world, he w- definitely, um, not often, but, you know, <laughs> we, we took the foot off the gas from time to time and, and some of those times are, are the best memories.
1: Yeah, of course. And, you know, the one thing I got out of it was, and, and he used this word very, very um, frequently I, is the right word I should, I should use here, because family. And even Paul Kelly said it beautifully in, uh, he said it was a bit like Cosa Nostra, you know, the Italian word for our thing. It was a family vibe, wasn't it? And still is. I, yeah, I'm,
0: look, I think that's always been a key uh, message about Mushroom, that we are one big family. And I feel that people within the Mushroom group and outside the Mushroom group, that's how they, they, they look at us. And, um, you know, it was obviously more of a family when when Dad and I were were, were leading the company together, but... Mm. That's one of our key values is, um, is is really ensuring that everyone that's part of the mushroom journey, um, whether they're still part of it or they've been part of it in the past, feel feel connected to yeah. what we do. And um, celebrating 50 years of the company this year, and you know, seeing and speaking to so many people that have had uh, played a part in that journey, I mm. think a lot of them still really feel connected to what we
1: do. Sure. I'll ask you a tough question. What's it like having, I wouldn't say burden, that's the wrong word, but what's it like having the, um, the baton passed on to you to keep the flame burning? It, do you feel any pressure? Do you feel like you're doing the right thing? I mean, what kind of emotions are you experiencing now that you're in charge of the, the whole group? Um,
0: I think probably you know I was lucky enough to be part of the company for as long as I have been over, over 20, 21 years now and also really i guess spent so much time over the past 10 or so years working closely with my dad and really driving the next you know era of mushroom and we both really had the same vision um for what we were trying to achieve over that period and i guess it really uh, g- gave me the right sort of grounding and and footing to to take the baton and 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 take what we wanted to achieve forward it's um I, I think you know pressure's not the um right word for it i mm-hmm. definitely feel with what my dad created that there's a there's a great responsibility there to 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 keep that going and um, enhance his legacy and take the foundations that he built forward and you know I, I look at my responsibility now as we sit at the 50th anniversary of mushroom to ensure that i lay the groundwork for mushroom to be here in another 50 years time
1: Yeah, which begs a question um, for me. um, What did you learn from Michael? I mean, you're very different characters. I'll start by saying that. I mean, Michael's obviously extroverted. You're a lot more laid back. Anyone knows. Anyone who knows both, you can see that. But what did you learn from Michael um, that you've carried through to, to the new role as CEO?
0: Look, I think um, Dad and I took different approaches to how we'd maybe get the end result, but we both always wanted the same outcome and we shared the same values. And, of course, we shared the same values because he instilled those values into me and a lot of the values that he instilled into me growing up are also in line with what Mushroom's values are. So Mm. I think, look, I was never going to do things the same way as Dad and definitely I think early on in my career um, never set out to try – be who he was or, or try to do things the same way he was and I feel that contributed to a lot of the success that we've had over the, I, I guess, the era that I've been involved in Mushroom. When I came into the company, um, it was a real different time. Mushroom Records had just been sold. Oh. It was really a rebuilding of the company. Um, I'm on record saying that, um, you know, I was the youngest person in the group by 20 years old and we really both shared a vision for for taking the company back to the you know to to being a a leader like we were and um that's probably allowed me to uh, to you know it's, it's really given me the vision for for where i think not only dad would have wanted the company to go where we both wanted the company to go right. and um yeah it's it's it you know, i'm I'm proud to sit here and say that probably mushrooms at its strongest we've ever been over that whole journey.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And I think the other two things I got out of the movie last night, well, the first thing was Michael was clearly a champion of music, but also a champion of of women and a champion of indigenous music, indigenous people in general. Is that something you think you're going to carry through?
0: Oh, definitely. Look... Um, Dad's known for, for using these words all the time of being a leader, not a follower. Yeah, and he he really set the benchmark in both those two areas. When uh, Dad was empowering women from the the late seventies in the business, where it was such a foreign um, foreign uh, you know thought in the music industry. It, it was, very, was. Um, you know led by powerful men and. Um, you know, Mushroom's always had such amazing women part of the group and this day a lot of the le- leadership positions that support me across the group are um, filled by amazing women. Mm. And I think, look, uh, I, I don't even really like talking about it I- I- I in this way because it's not something that we – it's its something that comes naturally, naturally around yeah, here yeah. and um, I don't even think it's a conversation anymore because – um, we're lucky in, a, in the Australian music industry for sure to, to have so many amazing women part of it on all levels and um, Mushroom's probably always had more women than, than males as part of the group and speaking to uh, Indigenous music and First Nations artists, um, you know, I, I re- remember the, the support that Dad showed for artists like Yothi Yindi and Archie Roach and Christine Arnoux and many others in the in the 90s and it was something that... He was so passionate about. Um, I recall on a couple of occasions him and I heading up to to Gove in the Northern Territory for it's it's an amazing um, experience, uh, festivals up there and really embracing the 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 culture. And um, it was definitely, you know, it was definitely something that you know was not seen as something you needed to do at the time, Um, but he he knew its importance, and I think has been a huge influence in, um, in the thriving, uh, you know, indigenous music scene we have in Australia um, today. Absolutely.
1: Let's talk about you now. Uh, I want to know, obviously you were uh, predisposed to music and artists as you were a kid growing up and stuff, but what, what led you to want to be involved in the music industry and be your own person? Was there anything culturally, an event or a situation or a show that the penny dropped for you where you went, I need to be in this industry? Or was it your dad pushing you that way?
0: No, my dad definitely never pushed me that way. I think, look, there's a few moments. Yeah, what were the moments? Over time, um, you know, even before some of these moments, I I think, you know, around the time. I remember, you know, back in 1993 going – think I was yeah, eight years old at the time going to the Guns N' Roses concert at Calder Park which at the time was, an, uh, you know, it was one of the biggest concerts that had ever been in Australia. Um, it was mayhem on the day and, um, you know, going and seeing 70-odd thousand people, I can't remember the exact number it was, um, at that show was something that really probably opened my eyes and got me really excited about um, live music, same around the same time going to see Nirvana play at the Big Dad. I was lucky enough being a seven or eight years old to uh, I think there was a few mushroom artists playing and Dad took me along and, um, you know, getting to see, uh, you know, an, uh, a superstar like Kurt Cobain and as um, na- as an, a artist, an artist that, you know, I went on to, to become a big fan of, um, perform and, and see a festival at that time. I guess when Big Day was in its early stages, it, it sort of was even reminding and it was not something that we were involved in, but I think it was probably reminding Dad of the of the great times at Sunbury and obviously Big Day Out had such an influence, I think, on so many. Um, but, you know, probably from probably from a couple of years later when I was allowed to go by myself, I'd go and enjoy that and just love that every single year. And, you know, I think about other concerts, whether it had been um, when we toured Madonna and she played at the MCG, three nights, you know, a couple hundred thousand people was just really inspiring. And then probably fast forward a few years, I'd started to get into running some of my own shows at, you know, my early teens and had an interest in it. Some were successful, some weren't. And around that time was when Mushroom hosted the 25th anniversary concert at the MCG, which was, uh, you know, which was emotional at the time as well because my dad had just um, sold the label. Um, But it was probably, it was a very special day and I think one that if I wasn't already um, you know, had caught the bug and in the business for life. I think that reinforced that you know I want to continue on this path and and, you know, do sure. what my dad dad does or become part of the family business.
1: Yeah, I love that concert. I remember being there and it was a very emotional night for a lot of people because I I I knew Michael had told me that the company was going. Um ironically ended up, you know, running a part of it uh, later down the track. But it was a great honor being there and just seeing how much you know history and how much legacy you know he created and and continued to create for many years, you know. But back to you. So musically, what did you actually? Obviously, hip hop was one of your passions growing up. But what music actually draw, you know, drew you to wanting to become or starting a label and become for, for of, of sorts an A&R person?
0: Um, I liked. I mean, obviously, I was heavily influenced by so much of the Mushroom catalog mm. over time as well. I think. ...you know, dad always would say about, uh, you know, my involvement with hip-hop... ...but I think that's because I was really seeing a trend that was changing at that time. And He would always
1: like um, joke about it, wouldn't he?
0: And, and you know, at, at that stage, hip-hop was, didn't really have much of a presence in Australia... ...and, and artists such as Eminem were, were really starting to come through... ...and, and take over as, the, as the, the new big artists globally. So um, I was into all types. I mean, I loved Paul Kelly. I loved Hunters and Collectors. I loved bands like Ash that were on the Mushroom Label... Um, of course, Barnsley and and you know so many others that I could go on about. Um, the, you know, great Australian rock and roll that really was the soundtrack to 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 my to my life growing up. But also loved a lot of the hip hop music that was coming through. Was heavily into a lot of electronic music as well. So there was not really a certain genre that I led to. Sure. Um, I was I guess I had all all forms of music around me and and had a different. Love and respect for 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 a lot of that. So, it was. Uh, I think in my early stages of starting to more run events and um and and bring some signings into into the group, I just saw that there was an opportunity with uh, with hip hop. Both, um, again within what Mushroom was doing as a label, but also what we were doing as a touring company. Um, and a lot of my initial years were really focused on. Uh, you know, influencing that and bringing those artists to Australia.
1: And I remember when you um you had Bliss and Esso and you signed Bliss and Esso and I watched that, uh, <coughs> that act grow and develop over until it got to number one. That would have been a really proud moment for both you and, and your father. But – being vindicated that this you know this genre was was about to you know pop off in the in the mainstream
0: yeah definitely how did how did
1: that whole project come about because Bliss and Esso were an important band in breaking you know in breaking um people's perception of what hip-hop could do
0: yeah look they were in this country I was promoting a number of international shows at the time um I was about 19 years old I had um Cypress Hill come on tour I had 50 Cent come on tour um and a couple others at the time and I'd uh, was aware of Bliss and Esso, and I put them on to support a couple of those shows and just built a really good rapport with the guys and, and I think we sort of had a very similar vision. They had just started out a couple of years earlier and um, had released a, a, f- a few songs and, and and put a first album out and we just shared a similar vision for what the opportunity there was and, um, and you know, I guess the rest is history. They went on to um, their first album we put out uh, did well mm. um, but then the subsequent four or five albums all debuted number one on the charts, yeah. had huge success, they had great touring success and um, not only did I sign them to the label, was managing the band as well and um, proud to say because management's a challenging game sometimes that we sit here over around 20 years later and I'm still managing them today.
1: It's a tough game, isn't it, management? I always, <laughs> sometimes I used to want to chug his lines, you know, you can tell the artist that, you know, they're they're taking 80% of my money you know, all the amount of work you do.
0: Well, I also remember my dad saying that when I was starting to promote shows and get into other things when I was probably about 14 or 15 years old, he said, look, one thing you don't want to get involved in is management. Um, and at the time really managers probably had lost a lot of control. The labels wielded so much power at that mm. point and the manager probably had such less influence. Um, I didn't agree with this but the manager had such less influence on the overall decision-making process, and I could see that was going to change as we moved into the digital era, and um, that's where, look, I guess I took my dad's uh, vision of of being such a having such a foresight on the three hundred and sixty model, per what it says in the in the documentary. In the docu- yeah, which I thought was um, great. <clears throat> you know, Mushroom had three hundred and sixty deals in nineteen seventy five when the majors started looking in the early two thousands, but part of the success with Bliss and Esso was that I was involved as their manager, as their label and and as their touring agent and promoter as well and it really helped gel all the pieces together and so I guess I, you know, paid some attention to what my dad was doing growing yeah. up and and implemented that and, and, yeah, the rest is history with them.
1: That also begs the question, how do you find artists these days with that 360 model and the mentality behind, behind it and, you know, do you think they're more... Open to it, or is it a horse for courses approach with each act?
0: I think each act's different. Mm-hmm. And uh, look, there's a lot of times that we love working with other management teams and other um, partners with an artist that all have share the same vision and have the mm-hmm. have the same passion for that artist. I think what's most important is you have a team and a, a group of people that all share the same vision and are aligned. And I guess I saw it a lot of times in my earlier days, and probably watching the. The you know watching and seeing the industry growing up, that there was a lot of different stakeholders involved, and a lot of time they'd be pulling their artists in different directions. The label would want this, the manager would want this, mm. the agent would want this, and I think what's so much greater today is that most, or the teams that work most artists, especially the ones that are successful, they're real. You know, they- you have robust conversations about what the right approach is but everyone's aligned and and gunning for the same outcome. Of course. And it felt to me, especially probably uh, in the early 2000s, that that definitely, you know, wasn't the case. Mm.
1: One facet um, of the business that Michael was particularly um, strong-minded about was publishing. Is that still the case with you? I mean, if you do sign an act, is it important that you get the publishing as well or is it inconsequential? Is it going to have a bearing on what you sign?
0: I think... My approach is is first and foremost, and I've really instilled this across the group, even um, when Dad and I were, were leading the way, it's about what's right for that artist. Mm. Look, we had a policy for many years there where we would only sign artists to the label if we could also sign their publishing rights and um, subsequently we, we, we missed out on a lot of artists that really wanted to sign with us but mm. weren't comfortable signing um, both rights away. Um, and, look, I, I think it's the luxury of Mushroom and um, because we, I guess, we make our own rules up as we go is no two artists are alike. So um, it's about what's right for the artist and um, what's right for, for, for I guess, the outcome you're all leading towards. In As we sit here today, there's a lot of challenges with, you know, developing new artists and having success with new artists and um, making you know, new artist careers financially viable. So I think it was probably uh, there was a there's a period there, um, you know, over the last number of years where a lot of artists would have frowned upon a 360 style. I hate using the word 360 but let's say um, having multiple partnerships with one business. Yeah. But I think sitting here today it's probably... Um, it, it, it's, there's probably a lot of people that are a lot more open to that and I think it's in certain cases it's really important to an artist's success and their ability to to make a
1: career. Yeah, I, I like the horse for course approach. It's probably the best way, you know, to, to approach any, any developing act or any act on your roster really. Um, let's talk about Mushroom in general. I mean what do you foresee... Mushroom to to be is it more maintaining <coughs> what you've currently built or what Michael built with you, or do you see it evolving into into something else completely? Um, well, not completely, but you know, is there going to be many, is there going to be other strings to the bow, so to speak?
0: I think we've already added quite a few different areas, and, yeah. and it's always evolving. But the the core and the center of Mushroom will always mm-hmm. remain. Um, around a a commitment and investing in great talent, supporting great talent, nurturing great talent. And, um, you know, you can do that in so many different ways. So a big part of my mission is ensuring that that's why Mushroom started in 1972, so ensuring that we, that stays in the centre of everything that we do. And talent's a broad term. Talent's not just artists or um, creators, you know, a lot, I consider talent to be a lot of the great people we have in the Mushroom Group. Mm-hmm. We love working and developing um, and having success with other entrepreneurs. So mm. investing in talent, whatever you perceive or do, determine talent to be, sure. is at the centre of everything that we do. Um, but looking back even over my 20-odd year journey, the industry has changed so much already mm. um, from and there's no doubt if you're know, looking forward, it's going to continue to have significant changes to um, a, a, no different to when streaming came in. So it's hard to 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 paint a long term picture as to sure. what the the company may look like in the future. But the main priority, uh, whatever we do, is sticking to our you know our core values and our and and the reason why Mushroom started in the first place and and you know that goes back to investing and supporting talent
1: and local talent or even international talent I imagine cuz it's yeah
0: well, i think primarily local talent but but talent of all forms as sure. i was saying um, and 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 really uh, creating a, a an outlet for people to have success
1: sure michael is very fond of touring and obviously, you know, the flag still flies really high in terms of Frontier. You know, some of the biggest concerts potentially of all time you've managed to undertake, you know, with um, Ed Sheeran, you know, and now with Taylor coming up, which is what, three at MCGs are we up to?
0: Yeah, three nights MCGs. Paul McCartney. Artists.
1: So the Frontier flag is still flying really high. How important is touring to you, international touring artists coming into Australia, of course, how important is that still to to you and the model? You
0: know, oh, no, no doubt uh, the the live music sector is the, yeah. the the biggest part of the industry. It 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 was it wasn't when I started. It was really in Australia. It was it was strong, but it was really still um, evolving to what it's become today. Australia is one of the biggest live touring markets in the world. Frontier is one of the biggest promoters in the world, and we have a number of different parts of the Mushroom Group that are involved in 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 live touring and live events. But there's no doubt that's that central. Um, to 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 everything that we do, it's um it, it's such a big in, such a big industry, a very competitive industry, um but probably uh, you know it's I started running events and promoting events, and I think both Dad and I have said our you know the. Th- there's nothing like the excitement of, of, of seeing an artist play live and, and seeing, if you've promoted a show, seeing the audience really embrace
1: and love it. Absolutely. And Michael had certain particular yardstick artists, you know, people like The Stones, you know, Frank Sinatra, which came across in the movie last night. Is there one act that you've got your eye on that you want to bring to Australia that, that, that you, you would go, oh, my God, that's a, that's a pipe dream come true?
0: Um, hard question, I think. You know, there, there's, there's, we're obviously two of so many great acts, and I think being able to to work with some of the artists that we've previously um, had as part of the, the the touring business, whether that be McCartney coming up, whether that be Taylor Swift, whether that be what um, we achieved with Ed Sheeran earlier in the year. Um, you know, hopefully another amazing artist we work with and probably one of my favourite in, in Bruce Springsteen. Mm. Look, to be able to continue to work with them is 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 a luxury and something that's that's part of the dream. In terms of artists that um There's gotta be one. You know, that we we haven't toured. Um look, we we, we toured Eminem once, we never toured him again. We'd love to get <laughs> him back. Um uh, you know, I'd love to do so with Eminem and Dr Dre or something like that. I also was um Lucky enough and was was on the pulse to do the first Bruno Mars tour who's an artist that oh, yeah. I um, think is one of the most amazing live artists in the world and, mm. um, you know, without giving a heads up to, to our my competitors out there, would love to uh, work with Bruno again. Mm-hmm. But look, what's so exciting about the music industry to, today is there's just the depth of how many amazing artists there are out there it's mm. it's probably one of the most exciting things, but also one of the most challenging things and i'll touch on that um late, later on sure. but it's you know, there's it's it's hard when I was growing up there was those main ten or fifteen superstar artists and you mentioned you know dad dreamed of touring the Rolling Stones mm. and McCartney and those but just now there's such a broader way of amazing talent it's really hard to to pinpoint on. yeah, I agree. one new artist that you'd just be like, "Hey, that's who we, um, you know, that's who I've got my 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 mindset on."
1: Sure. But, um, let's go to some hypotheticals, Matt, because I, I love this section of my interview because um, I've got different hypotheticals for different people. Um, but let me throw a few around. So <clears throat> let's pretend that uh, you're being told by whoever, you know, it could be someone who ends up, you know. Purchasing you, or or um, investing in you Not for sale. I know that, but just let's pretend it's a hypothetical. That's why we're calling it a hypothetical. But you've been told that you need to streamline the company. Which part of your business can't you do without? What is the one income stream or the one side of your business that you will never ever give up on? That's a hard question. It's a tough one, but let's let's. It's a hypothetical, so let's pretend in this in this alternate universe. Well, I
0: think that fluctuates because at different. Um, ...times with across the Mushroom journey and different times... ...depending what state the industry is, different parts have different value. Um, I think there's a lot of challenges around the recorded music um, part of the industry now and... and, and We'll just, talk about that and, in the next and, section. And, and, but I think sitting here today, it, it's very hard to see how Mushroom would operate... ...without our, the live sector of our mm. industry... Um, I mean, our business it's, its its such an important pillar to the group, but also such an uh, something that I'm so passionate about, and so many within the, within the group are passionate about. So, I think you'd have to put that first. But all parts that we have to mushroom, and I've really been trying to consolidate um, consolidate's not the right word—but really try um, structure the group in a in in a more organised fashion um, moving forward. I think my dad would be on the record saying that. Um, you know, I, I like to have a lot more organisation and structure than he did and um, while we implemented a lot together, sometimes it's hard to get across the line with him. It's definitely a big part of um, the changes that will be occurring at Mushroom now is just to we're involved in so much and just to create, um, you know, to streamline things better. But So each of the key pillars of the Mushroom group, it's hard to um, value one um you know, over another. Yeah, sure, the there's you can do that financially, but in the, the the importance of what mushroom is is having each of those sections as part of the sure the group.
1: And so, if you had to move, and again, another hypothetical: if you had to move offshore to keep the company alive, which city would you go to, and why would you go to that city?
0: Look, I think there's only a handful of cities that really stand out, and again, it really depends how the how the Industry evolves in the next Mm. over the next decade. I think the obvious places to to state London and LA and and New York. But look, Mm. even if we were to go and there's great further global aspirations across Mushroom. Mm. Australia's going to remain the centerpiece of what we do, and you've got to find somewhere where you can get that balance and be able to do both. It's I spend quite a bit of time in London, and it's it's a. after a couple of weeks it becomes challenging trying to manage everything back home with the, the with time the time difference. difference. Yeah. So mm. for a lot of reasons, LA ticks a lot of boxes but, again, it depends what reason you're moving overseas for. I can see a future where there may be reason for having a lot more presence throughout Singapore or other parts of Asia. Um, I know there's a lot of talk around the opportunity that sits within markets like India at the moment mm. and others. So it's hard to if you ask which what which city i'd love to yeah. live in yeah. it's probably uh i'd probably say uh london or something like that but uh, whether Is that because that, you can
1: see arsenal play or yeah that's that's
0: a small <laughs> contributing factor um i think it's yeah it really depends on what the what the reasoning would be and and um you know what, what? What we're trying? What we're trying to achieve? But yeah,
1: you, you touch on Asia. I find Asia kind of like this interesting and, and wild frontier still. But I, at some point, it has to open up, right?
0: Yeah, I think it's we, we've really opened up. In, we've dabbled in a lot of different things throughout regions, um, Asian regions over the past probably twelve years. Whether mm. it be through some festival stuff, whether it be through um, when I had um, our agency with Brett Murray, Artist Voice, where we opened an office over there. And even with our partnership at Frontier with AEG who have a really strong presence in Asia, I think there's, there's no doubt a vision to, um, you know, to I guess connect the APAC region more closely mm-hmm. together. I think from a live touring perspective um, the market's a lot um, not so much just more accessible but i think it's less of a wild wild west now mm. um there's great venues great infrastructure a lot of the biggest acts are touring the major regions there and i think there's a there's an opportunity to connect a lot more dots and i really hope on a recorded music front that um, more opportunities start to to open up throughout that region i know with certain artists you know so many australian artists have seen different um, you know, spikes through streaming and other things in, in those markets. But it's still very early days.
1: It is early days. But there will come a day when an Australian act will have, you know, a massive, you know, hit in South Korea or Japan, you know. It's, it's only around the corner. You, we you hope think, so, you yeah. think so. Now, Mushroom's always had, you know, a very strong entrepreneurial spirit. For me, outside looking in, you know, Michael had <coughs> fingers in many pies and I know you've got uh, an, entre- you know, an entrepreneurial streak in yourself. What other investments or what other areas do you think you may um, look into as you you evolve this company?
0: Um, (coughs) Well, a big part of what I've been doing over a number of years is really investing in other entrepreneurs. Mm. Um, You know, we have a number of great people that share the same vision as me um, or business partners that I have that are already part of the Mushroom mushroom network Um, but a lot of them are still very heavily music focused. Um, I think there's, you know, there's a push and there's a lot of things that we um, are involved in or, or you know, have been involved in that are really, I guess, utilising technology in a greater way. Um, our involvement um, from early days with um, the Disco uh, music file sharing system has been something that's really, I think, um, you know, starting to really...
1: that's growing uh, really, isn't growing it?
0: ...growing significantly globally and, and is really a, a core part to... Um, you know the day-to-day operations for so many businesses globally within the industry now. Mm-hmm. So, I think everything we do at Mushroom, we like to see how it can connect into our wider network. So, at the moment, there's no plans or intentions to, you know, make random investments into sure. things that don't connect back to what to the company th- what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's definitely significant expansion plans and. Um, and, you know, I hope growth over the coming years.
1: Yep. It's a good answer. Um, now, government. Michael had a strong affinity with with the government, particularly um, here on a state level, but, but also federally. Do you continue those ties? Because they are important. Definitely. And, and in continuing in those ties, are there any um, areas that you feel the government hasn't quite met yet or, you know, in terms of helping this industry as a whole? What... What do you see as objectives for us as an industry, let alone Mushroom, to get out of the government?
0: Well, look, I think Victoria, the Victorian government's always been a very strong supporter of live music and um, Dad had a lot of influence in that. Um, lucky enough to be the chairman for the new um, Victorian live music initiative, Always Live, which is uh, in its second year this year mm. and is really... Um, Going to turn into uh, you know an amazing 17-day sort of festival across the state, very similar to what the comedy festival might be like in Melbourne or sure. what the what Vivid does for Sydney. And the Victorian government's heavily committed to that. And um, probably by the time this this podcast runs, the uh, the Always Live program for 2023 will um, will have been announced. So it's really great to see Victorian. The Victorian government's commitment to live music and ensuring that um, we remain the the capital of live music in Australia, um, and really bring opportunities to the great venues we have here, and um, and support all the great music businesses um, across our state as well. So I, I think there's there's always more that can be that can be done. But that's that what I want to get at. What, what, there.
1: What, what more can they do, Matt? Um,
0: what do you well think? I think? Look, federally, we're hopefully going to mm. see some significant um, evolution. Um, with, the, with the current government over the next few years, there's already been a, a lot of great discussions going on um, with Music Australia set to launch soon um, and there's clearly a lot of discussions around, um, uh, around quotas and, and other archaic um, you know, copyright legislations and sure. things that are in place to, to hopefully create a better, um, you know, greater revenue base and greater support for our industry. I think it needs to really centre around as much as it can around, you know, supporting Australian talent. Yes. And investing in Australian talent not only to have success here but to, to take and promote Australia, um, you know, abroad and globally. There's more Australian artists that are having success on a global scale than ever before which is fantastic to see but there's still so many amazing artists lined up here that I think can have even greater success mm-hmm. and uh, as I mentioned earlier it's it's really challenging to make financial sense of the recorded music scene these days which is my
1: next question I mean you know there is a lot of conjecture at the moment about how difficult you know it is to to break an Australian act in our own country let alone globally what are the biggest challenges facing artists right now as we look into, not even crystal balling it, let's look at the exact moment we're in right now in time.
0: I think the sheer volume of artists, which, you know, this is a, this is a positive as well as a negative. We have a greater quality and greater, you know, widespread, um, you know, group of artists than ever before right now. But having so many great artists out there, the same amount of opportunities still exist for those artists so it's not like if we've got 10 times more artists or quality artists to use a better term than we did five years ago there's not 10 times more opportunities so getting those opportunities or seeing that cut through or um, or you know getting that spot on triple J or getting that spot on a on a Spotify playlist or that slot on a festival it's more competitive than ever. So we're seeing so much amazing talent potentially not be wasted but struggling to get an audience out Mm. there. And I don't know what the answer to that is at the moment. Um, The the big positive is that we've got such an amazing talent pool. We have. But we're also seeing so much amazing talent um, probably fail to reach the heights that they deserve and make a career out of it. Mm. So I, I think... Uh, you know, a lot of us that are part of the industry and this industry means so much to really need, and I, this is already happening, but need to get together to work out how we can, um, you know, make that process easy is not the right, but create a pathway to, to greater success mm. locally as well as internationally.
1: Look, in my humble opinion, I think the fact there are, you know, so many artists and, and so little spots, if you want to call it that, to, or pathways to success, it means you have to be a bit more gun-shy about how many artists you sign and, and the quality of act that you sign. It might push up, you know, the standards, I think, in terms of A&R because you need to rise above the noise.
0: I think that's definitely the case and I think it's something that all labels, including Mushroom, are, are undertaking at the moment. You've got a the. The I guess the you know the way you or the boxes I don't like you know the boxes that you need to tick to say hey this is a good artist to sign mm. they're they're far the list is far longer than what it used to be correct yeah. yeah and I think you're right in saying that the artists that are getting label deals whether it be through the majors or major independents like Mushroom or you know the amazing other independent labels out there we're gonna see a higher quality but there's also so many great artists that remain. You know, independent and don't work with a label out there, and it's just hard to strike that balance. So I think we'll definitely see, um, you know, a higher quality of music. Uh, not that it's not at the moment, but I think there's going to be a uh, you know a, a more tougher rating card. Yeah, Um I agree. To 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 back and support artists moving forward from 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 all people investing in in Australian music and. Um, and hopefully, ultimately, that's going to lead to greater success and greater support from us for Australian artists. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a very challenging landscape at the moment, and one that I really hope, um, you know, myself and and so many other um, industry stakeholders can really navigate over the next couple
1: of years. Yeah, which also you know, segues nicely into into my next question. Mushroom was always known, you know. Through history, through his history, particularly Michael of taking chances with acts that people didn't think he should take a chance on. You know, watching the movie last night, there were two in two in point uh, sky hooks and, and an act like Split Ends. It's a, he rolled a dice. You know, how risk averse are we as a business right now in rolling? You know, that dice, so to speak, and in finding an act that that stands out from the pack, that that you know that that does things differently, that really blows you know the lid off you know, what it takes to be a successful artist, you know.
0: I think they'll, they'll always come through because the, the, you know, the best A&R people and, and the best music businesses are always looking forward as to what's next, what's there now. And mm. I know that's something that Mushroom has a great track record with over time but, you know, these are some of the challenges that, you know, the, the AI generation and other things are bringing into our industry where too much is very is, is data-driven um, and I think that's fantastic. It's helping in some cases everyone make more informed decisions. It's it's introducing artists to fans that they may not have come across. But what's lost is that with with that is the gut instinct that you know that really the music industry was built on.
1: Or Mushroom and, was built and on,
0: especially Mushroom. Yeah. But so much of the industry and taking a chance on an artist yeah. now. I know on our side we would you know we love using some of the data that's available to help make informed decisions, but I'm very big on ensuring that that um, you know taking a chance or still using a bit of gut feel does not go out the window. Yeah. Um, and not everything's just made on a decision on the you know the 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 data analytics that that's are put right. in front of you. So look, but th- but with that comes a lot of challenges. But I think. Mushroom as a whole, uh, you know, I say a big part of how I want to take the company forward is is sticking to the core of who we've always been, and staying true to our values. And our values, or one of our major values, is taking risks and and taking a chance and believing. And um, you've 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 got a if you've got self belief, or one of my people has self belief. I usually like to back them in.
1: Yeah, as crazy as their their idea may be, right?
0: Well, it's not a crazy idea to them if they're suggesting it. So what I might think is crazy, you might not think is crazy. Yeah, of
1: course, and vice versa. Um, Speaking of platforms and, you know, whether it's your Spotify's or your Apple Music's or your TikTok's, you know, any any social platform or any music-based platform, is there one that you think as a business or particularly in Mushroom's case in your business that you can't do without and why would that be?
0: Well, look, I think streaming has been such a game changer for the industry and for a big reason as to why so many Australian artists are having global success, the accessibility of music is really what's made, it's driven the success of live music, it's driven the success of Australian artists on a global scale and it's really opened up the value of, of great catalogs and um, introducing people not only to, to new music but to, to great classic music as well. So, look, I, I think as much as there are challenges with um, you know, all the streaming revolution has brought challenges to the industry and it's obviously opened up the ability for so much more music than once was to be released. Mm. Um, I think it's also driven the growth of our industry as a whole over the past decade. So I think that's probably most important at the moment. So and the streaming services. Yeah.
1: yeah, great. Let me ask you this then because um, you touched on, you mentioned AI before. Do you think AI is going to change the way we do business, particularly in a creative sense, or do you think it's it's one of those things that oh, not change things, but it's going to become part of life, part of you know, part of the furniture, so to speak, in in the, whether it's a studio or whether it's the way you, you measure success, or is AI here to stay? And if well, so, I think
0: this is a conversation so it's across so many industries right yeah. now, and and as I said, I think AI is going to be do some great things for our industry. It's going to really um, provide. Data and analyse things to help uh, introduce people to artists they may not have found, and and obviously help um, businesses and the industry alike make greater decisions. And I think, hopefully, creatively, it potentially will also play a part in enhancing the quality of of the creation of music out there. But I feel, I feel, as we sit here today, it's. It's still very much unknown the greater impact and the the longer term impact that it'll have on our industry, and I really hope that it doesn't it, it doesn't um, you know take away from uh, yeah I think you know, I'm just really hoping it doesn't change the industry for the worse. I think if it's if everyone again works well together and everything evolves in the right way, it'll hopefully improve our industry in the same way streaming did or in the same way when iTunes and the digital era launched and you know so many things have been game changers for mm. our industry and this is just the next. And every change that's happened in the music industry over the past number of decades, the industry's been hesitant about. Mm. Um, there's been uncertainty about. Sure. And I think there is a lot of that right now with, with how AI is going to, how it's going to impact, uh, yeah. going to impact our yeah. industry. But I think if we can look at the the previous major changes um, that have impacted our industry, I think they've been for the better. Mm-hmm. So we can only hope that this this um, enhances our industry as well.
1: Well said. Now let me ask you this. What keeps you awake at night? What gives you the shits? Uh, let's, think, let's, let's dumb it down a little. <laughs> I've got to be sure careful that,
0: what I careful no. what I say. Um, I'm involved in so many things. There's something different that gives me the shits every day. What, so. Yeah, what
1: what keeps you awake at night? Like, let's. I yeah.
0: think that I think going back to Mushroom being such a staunch supporter and investment investor in Australian talent, it's it's the challenges that we're seeing of you know of the cut through that new artists are having. Um, there's a number of new artists, not just I mean hundreds of new artists that are not just on Mushroom, they're on every label in Australia that should be having far more success than they're having right now. Mm. And uh, that really the future of how viable it is to continue to take a risk on Mm. something, invest in something that, that um, you know, that maybe others wouldn't and really, you know, commit heavily um, to new artists is something that's, you know, a lot of people outside our industry would come in and, 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 and look at the look at the new investment artists and say, why are you doing this? Yeah. Um, because it's very hard to make it work. We don't just make decisions based on financial outcomes at Mushroom. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> never, never have. And if you just make decisions on that, then you, you probably won't always make the right decisions. But I think the challenges around making investment into Australian talent financially viable is something that you often think um, about right i think about often yeah
1: but what gives you the shits that's a good answer that's a good political (laughs) answer but what gives you the absolute shits and it could be anything it could be that your football team you know is jekyll and hyde at the moment what actually does give you the shits and come on open up a little bit here.
0: Well, I'm 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 trying to think of the right answer as you said at the Don't start. Be I'm, a very, come on. I'm a very calm and laid back person. You are, I think that's for sure. I think I've learned that you know there's all I try <laughs> not let too many things get to me to be honest. If they did I probably would have uh, cracked it or cracked it already and um, <laughs> would have uh, thrown in the towel but look I think uh, I, I think best way to put it and I, and don't I, I, dodge it
1: come on mate come the best on.
0: way to put it is the thing that gives me the shits most is people that are part of our industry that don't have the right intentions right and
1: the cowboy so and to speak.
0: also also people that don't look at it from both sides now I don't want to name any names no, but that no could names be, that it. could be a, a lawyer that's trying to do the deal for a new artist that we sign and mm-hmm. the terms that they're asking for when they well and truly know the landscape of our industry
1: but they're still trying they still try to push well on They well and
0: truly over. think that <laughs> the terms they're putting in front of you are viable um so Look, I'm probably speaking for many people when when sure. when saying the frustrations that come with that. And by no means for any artists that may be listening and we're trying to say we want to get deals that um that are that are unfair. A good deal is a fair deal. Mm. And I don't like someone that says, oh, I got a good deal on that, because if it's a good deal for you, it might not be a good person for the other, good deal for the other person. So mm. something that I really value is ensuring whatever deal it might be, whether it be for a tour, whether it be for signing new artists, mm-hmm. whether it be a new business partner that I'm doing a deal with, it has to be fair and work for both sides. So I think people that, you know, look to get that one up in a deal. Um, Gives you the shits. They, yeah, give me the shits.
1: <laughs> oh, God. and We'll be careful there because no, no names. Um, but you could go on forever, I imagine, with a shit list. <laughs> Look, it's, it's,
0: it's, it's one of the things I've been involved in. I say to people a lot, of they're like, have you had a good day? I'm like, well, it's very hard to have a good day every day because we've got hands in a lot of different pies and involved in a lot of different businesses. Well, that's great as well. Um, there's always something that's not perfect or some fire that needs to be put out. But
1: I think that's what drives me as well. Yeah, great. If you weren't doing music, Matt, what would you be doing, you reckon? If you are born into another family for argument's sake or, or – but even then, if you were to retire, what can you consider yourself doing? Because oh, it's, 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 I know it's, it's in your blood. It's
0: probably something that I've never thought of. I think I definitely didn't do music just because of um, my dad's history in music. Yeah. I think I had a great passion and and drive and interest in it regardless of that. If anything, my dad's success and what he was doing – could have been a reason to not get into music. Yeah, because sometimes um, you
1: can rebel, can't you, against your parents? So I, I
0: would say, um, however, I was brought up that I probably would have been would have gravitated towards the music industry mm. and or um, well, the entertainment industry. You know, I, I I I love all parts of promoting, love all parts of supporting talent. Um, you know, love listening to music, going to shows, and I'm sure, you know, you've got to love what you do, um, and. I, I've probably never had the thought as to what else I would be doing. Yeah, Have you got any other passions? If I wasn't doing this.
1: Any other passions? There's no time for other passions. I no. Surely there's um, something that you
0: like. Yeah, I obviously love my sport. We've, you, you and I go to the football yeah, together occasionally, um, have no success on that front. So it's <laughs> lucky I'm successful in work because my sporting teams are never very successful. Well,
1: Arsenal could come good for us this year. Maybe
0: Arsenal might you know. come good. St Kilda maybe one day will make the finals again, let alone win a premiership. It takes time, Matt, doesn't it? Um, but no, yeah. Other lo- love, love our sport and um, and but yeah. I think you know what's great about music is it can be your hobby and passion as well as your work. And there's a lot of artists that I still love to go see that we don't work with. I don't just go and um, and I, you know a lot of the artists I listen to um, are not necessarily artists that are on that are on mushrooms. So I think. Uh, you know, I'm as much a music lover and fan as as also um,
1: a part of the music industry. Is there a, speaking of that? Is there an act out there that you look at and go, "Gee, I wish I was working with them, or I'd signed them, or I toured them, or is there that one act?" Um,
0: there's probably not not one act. Look, you know, you're what? always uh, in our industry. There's always acts you've tried to sign or that you you know and you missed out on and you wish you'd signed or. And plenty of acts in the touring landscape. Um, mm. it that, could be touring, know, could you, be recording.
1: You, you'd love to tour. Um, Is there one in particular uh, Did you went, damn it, I wish I had done that? Or, damn it, how do I get my hands on that? I, I don't
0: have my men at work moment like Dad. Yet <laughs> yeah, where that's right. I
1: haven't signed
0: something that's gone on to be extremely successful. But <laughs> yeah, look, there's too many to probably single out one.
1: Yeah, okay. So let's, let's um, finish off by maybe just give me a bit of a. Maybe not so much mission statement because that sounds too corporate and, uh, and too advertising company-like, but is there a, a succinct, concise, if want of a better word, mission statement that Mushroom currently has that you're trying to instil in the group?
0: Um, I think it's just trying to reinforce um, and, and ensure that the values that we've, we've stood by from day one, um, you know, are across the business. Um, we're, we're a big business, we have over 300 people across the group and even since my dad passed away, there's probably in excess of 100 new people across the group and wow. that's um, not just through change but mainly through growth as well and, um, you know, ensuring that the values that my dad had, the values that the companies always had, always had are really um, ring through um, uh, across all those new people and they understand who Mushroom is and and... and why we do things the way we do things. I think in terms of business, um, you know, you've got to stay on your toes. There's not a, a set uh, strategy for um, how we want to evolve. We're always looking for new opportunities. Always looking um, for, you know, to be leaders and not be followers. And the group's constantly evolving into new areas. There's new divisions starting within the group. Um, we've got another couple of new areas that we'll be um, announcing and launching before the end of this year can you give
1: us a hint on those or is it too early
0: uh, it's probably too early okay. Early, we would Damn have it. seen we just launched a new booking agency recently yes, um, we've really put a big focus on our on, on building the management side of our business yep. and of course constantly growing what we're doing um, as a live business as well so look I'm probably not sharing too much there that's fine but um, you know, we're, we're, we're always for, you know, for other upcoming entrepreneurs mm-hmm. out there or people that have an idea, our door's always open to 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 explore and talk about opportunities and um, I love nothing more than, um, like I said, working with other entrepreneurial-driven, uh, like-minded people and I really want to, my big focus is to continue to bring more of those people to be part of Mushroom and create
1: success together. Great. Your dad used to always say, let me give you a red hot tip on what's happening next, whether it was Temper Trap or whether it was, you know, advanced Joy. Let's finish off by talking about what's your red hot tip? And it could be a tour, it could be an act coming through, it could be a deal you're working on, but what is your red hot tip for the future?
0: Look, I think What What's that
1: one thing? Because your know, dad was single-minded about things sometimes. What's that one red hot tip you have for look, us?
0: Look, I think... It's always got to go back to Australian artists, as I said earlier. It's so Which hard. One? It's Which one? Which one? I'm going to tell you. It's so hard to. <laughs> I'm not going to say one. I'm going to get a couple of. Okay, that. fine. It's so hard to to get notice on new talents or any opportunity to to shine a light on um, any of the great artists we have coming through. I will always take and um, there's there's two that immediately come to mind, but uh, and you know one that we've been pushing and promoting for some time. It's really starting to go to the next level. Um, both locally and internationally, and it's just one of the most amazing voices in the country, and that's Mia Ray. Mm. Um, you know we we will we will live and breathe everything about Mia, and will not stop until she's one of the most successful artists in Australia. Um, and I really truly believe um, that she will be. She's an artist we've worked with across the group for almost ten years. What a voice! And um, and have really been working with her on the label over the last uh, number of years, and and really just think that she's something special. Mm. Another amazing new artist that we've signed that's just released his first few singles and is another one that, um, you know, everyone across the Mushroom family is excited about is an artist called Logan from the Gold Coast. Yes, I know Logan. Um, And, yeah, Logan's, uh, he's released a couple of songs but he's probably one of the most prolific artists that I've come across in, in a long time and i think he's going to be a superstar and then looking at other artists that are already successful it's just amazing mm-hmm. to see a group like the teskey brothers that took so long you know out there in the in the old school traditional way gigging around melbourne doing shows yeah, building an audience before they really started to get recognized and become greater to see the success they're happening, they're having on a global scale playing shows in different territories for tens of thousands of people supporting Bruce Springsteen in Italy the other day. Yeah, I saw that. It was amazing. Um, you know, they're already, they had a number one album recently in Australia, so they're already one of the biggest homegrown bands. But my tip is that the Teskey Brothers will be probably one of the biggest Australian artists globally over the next five to ten years. That's amazing.
1: That's, okay, Matt, well, thanks for your time. Pleasure. I hope St Kilda win this weekend and I hope that Arsenal win for both of our sake on the weekend. It's been great. Um, we'll catch up soon.
0: Yeah, thanks, Michael. Thanks, mate.